This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Do you know how long you're going to live? Perhaps not exactly, but you can get pretty close to when you're going to check out. Barring accidents, murder, or disasters, you can predict your own demise. How so? One of the most accurate predictors of your longevity is, are you ready? Your zip code. That's right, where you live influences how long you stay around this planet Earth. There are dozens of sites online to give you this information, from Time Magazine or Time.com to Governing.org or many research universities, and even mega foundations like the Robert Wood Johnson has funded projects that can accurately predict your lifespan. There are a host of determinant factors that go into the calculation of how long we're going to stay. One critical social determinant of health is the access to health care. I guess that could be a definition of death, a lack of health. Presently, two of the social determinants are food insecurity and housing. I think there are about 15 with a top five for sure. And about four years ago, I entered this conversation as this work was beginning to take shape about how do we address the root causes of these social determinants. That conversation has evolved, and now we at the Food Bank Council, along with our members, are fully engaged on how do we address the stubborn social determinants of health, especially food insecurity across Michigan. Our guest today is returning to our show, Barb Peaty, the executive director of the national organization, The Root Cause Coalition. Jerry joins me with Barb in just a moment, and later in the show, a special announcement about our plan to address the social determinants of health here in Michigan. Come back and be with us in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Barb Petey, our executive director for the Root Cause Coalition, is our guest. Jerry, um, you and Barb have not met in person, I don't think, but we've got to correct that because you've heard me talk about her a lot. You know, I feel like we're spiritually connected. That's, <laughs> that's the space I'm in. We, we have to be connected somehow because this work is so important. I would say we are at a watershed moment in history even to some degree. Um, and is that too much weight? I don't think it's too much weight. I think that what's happening with the Root Cause Coalition and really helping to point us all in the right direction when it comes to how do we get our hands around the social determinants of health and really understand the things that we do that make an impact. And of course, I, I think that's probably the right lead in now, Barb, to let you take it from there and say, tell us a little more about maybe even yourself and how you got to the Root Cause Coalition and how is this uh, the thing that you've decided to invest your handful of life in? 
Well, thank you, Jerry, and thank you, Phil, and I'm delighted to be back. And I do think we are very much connected on a lot of levels. And uh, taking a step back as to how I got here and what the journey has been, um, I actually graduated from Michigan State with a degree in journalism and have been employed uh, using that skill set ever since the day I stepped foot off the campus. Hmm. I've been with ProMedica Health System for 34 years and uh, currently serve two roles. So I am the chief advocate and government relations officer for ProMedica, and I also serve as the executive director of the Root Cause Coalition, which ProMedica co-founded four years ago with the AARP Foundation. Since our founding in October of uh, 15, we are now 77 members nationally, which is, I think, phenomenal growth no matter how you measure it or look at it. But to your point about being at a watershed moment, It is so important, and I really believe we are at a crossroads in our society where we need to take a look at where we've been, where we are, and where we know we need to be. And, you know, back in 1964, Lyndon Johnson Johnson waged a war on poverty. And I would argue that we are still fighting that fight today, and we need to take a look at what the real cost of poverty is to our society. And we need to figure out a way to lift up and find sustainable solutions that will educate and employ every individual so that they can live their fullest potential. And that's really what we're all about. We go about our mission and attaining our mission at the coalition, which is to achieve health equity by addressing the social determinants, because it is not a level playing field for a lot of reasons for way too many people in our society. So we need to look at people who don't have enough food to eat or provide for their families. We need to look at why is transportation so crucial to being able to hold down a job? Why are people not able to live in clean, well-lit, sustainable, safe housing? We need to look at all these elements that ultimately play into overall health and well-being. And again, what's good for individuals and good for communities lifts up everyone who we're trying to serve. It's not that if you do better, I'm going to do worse. When we all do better, we all do better. So it's not hard to get around a mission like that. It's Mm. not hard to get up every morning and say, Hmm. let's go see what we can do and, and how do we really truly work for the greater good. And again, we are a collection of organizations. It's it's not just Barb as the executive director. It's an amazing team. It's an amazing board who's committed, and it's an amazing group of organizations who have come and stood solidly behind this mission. And as Phil knows from coming to our annual meetings once a year, it's just grown and grown and grown. And I think we are having conversations today that, quite frankly, we were maybe yeah. not as comfortable having two, yeah. three, four years ago. Yeah, and we so weren't ready for them. I don't we think weren't we were ready, ready for them. Yeah. I, I think too often we felt that, well, I, I'm not that way. And this is this is not a personal indictment or an indictment on one organization or one sector. But when you've got cross-sector groups coming together, and I think that's the other secret recipe that is uh, part mm-hmm. of the coalition's success, is that this isn't just the healthcare industry. This isn't just social sector or business or faith-based or government. This is everybody at the table. This is education and funders and healthcare and social service and you name it. It's, it's a big round table. There's no one sitting at the head. But right. we established this coalition to really thoughtfully and purposefully bring health care into the conversation with these other sectors because too often 
healthcare was receiving the critical uh, conditions of the individuals when when health became out of whack and and you yeah. know mm. really uh, what could have been prevented with preventive care and measures has turned into critical and too often uh, chronic conditions. And, and so, I mean, I want to add costly. <laughs> I mean, you it know, is costly. But it is I costly. also I also want to just interject a quick thought here because one of the most important things about any coalition like what you just described is establishing trust. Mm-hmm. And and I want to I want to put a heavy emphasis on trust because in so many ways it's what I think the food banking world brings to this conversation in terms of the relationship we have with the sure. people we serve. And we saw it in the Flint water crisis and we talked about that uh, on several shows how until the food bank got involved as an arbiter of trust with the community, it was much, much harder to make progress in the work of getting people together to solve that problem. And I do think the coalition and one of one of the key aspects of any coalition, but specifically this one, is bringing these disparate groups together and mm-hmm. saying, you know, we can learn to trust each other and from there have a much more productive conversation and work get Well, I, I think there's two things that food banks trade in most, and it's not commodities. It's mm-hmm. hope and it's trust. Yeah. So I want right. Barb, I want to get your reaction to that on the other side of the break. Let's take a quick one. We've got to pay a few bills. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, our guest, Barb Petey. We'll be back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight, Jerry Brisson here in the WJR studio, and our guest, Barb Petey, the executive director for the Root Cause Coalition. That's our connection point, but I know you also are the chief advocacy officer for ProMedica, and so we've got a lot of parallels there, too, because I think we all understand that this is also a policy issue when we're dealing with the social determinants of health. Absolutely it is. And in fact, Phil, you and I were just in Detroit earlier this week for the Modern Healthcare Symposium on social determinants. And I was um, fortunate enough to be asked to moderate a panel on advocacy and policy. Mm-hmm. And all of the work that all of us are doing, I think, is phenomenal. And we're able to lift up best practices. And to your point, which I want to get back to about building trust and, and you know, what the food bank world and, and making sure people have enough to eat, what that whole equation provides for the rest of this conversation is absolutely immense. But ultimately, we need to change policy. We need to make sure that people are not getting less assistance when needed, but getting the assistance that they need. And we also need to make sure that policies are set into place where people can become self-sustaining, that they have that ability to reach their best self. So, We have wonderful pilots and programs, like I mentioned, but we need to make sure that we're comparing apples to apples and not apples to oranges. So there may be a program in California and one in Minnesota and one in New York and one in Michigan, and it's all doing great work. But are we doing it the same way? And I think that's where policy can really start to help. Take the best of the best, and then let's overlay that 
and make sure that we give the right resources and tools and the incentive to healthcare as well to reimburse for screening, to make sure that we're training tomorrow's providers, to understand how the social determinants of health play into the overall health and well-being outcomes of their patients and and which then turns into the well-being of communities. This must ultimately translate into policy. We are human beings with human needs. We are not divided up by departments of the government. We can't say the left arm will be taken care of by education and the right arm by health and human services. We have a very complex set of needs. We are a very complex system of uh, you know, what makes up the human body. And so we need to pay attention to all those needs in one and then put appropriate policy to how we're going to make sure that um, the safety net underneath all of this is intact. You know, I, I like what you have to say there. And it is a complex system. One of the, one of our, you know, little favorite sayings over here is the less you know about a problem, the easier it is to solve. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we, we have to avoid that trap. And a lot of times, especially when it comes to policy work, the conversations are boiled down to sound bites, right? Because that's what plays on TV and that's what plays in, in you know, when you're trying to address a million people on a, on a very difficult issue, it's easier to just boil things down to the very basic sound bites. But the, the problem with that approach is that you, the nuances are important. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the healthcare is at last measure one fifth of the economy. Right. You're not talking about a, you know, small, easy to move ship here, right? You're talking about a ship that has an awful That's lot of exactly moving right. parts. And each of those parts have their own things they need in order to get things done. And that's not to say that it's just purely a bureaucracy. It's not that. Most of the people I have met in healthcare, if not all, I, I would have a hard time saying that I've met anyone who doesn't fit a description of somebody who wants people to be healthier and better. Mm-hmm. They care. Right. They absolutely, absolutely. care. And it's their job, even though, you know, it, it can get a little transactional from time to time. If you settle down for just a minute, people want to do their best, and, and that means the best for others. So, you know, from that framework, even in a very complex environment, we ought to be able to make progress. And I think that's what I am most heartened about the root cause coalition, uh, you know, and even in in the advocacy work or whatever the work is, it's it's very heartening to be bringing people together who care to do what they ultimately want to do. Well, thank you, and and like I said in our first uh, part of the conversation, it really is pushing the conversation into places where I think all of us collectively weren't as comfortable a few years ago. But but to your point about pushing the policy, and and, and we need to get around this. Again, that's why a cross-sector coalition is so important. You know as well as I do that when we speak with legislators, uh, we don't want to come at this from a special interest group perspective. When you come from a cross-sector coalition that really represents everyone in a community, they don't have to go check the boxes. um, Does it meet the needs of this group versus that group? This is what's good for the community. And quite frankly, the issues that we're talking about are the very issues that most of our elected officials have run on. And it's been my pleasure to work with those who are in elected positions, whether it be local, state, or federal. I think our, our lawmakers sometimes are, are put too quickly in, in, a, in a bad light. I think a lot of us need to take a step back and, and realize what public servant 
means. And so we need to keep holding our public servants accountable and helping them understand why all of this is so important. It's a cornerstone of the work that we're doing because if you're hungry, you can't think beyond that. You can't function beyond that. If we don't have a safe place to put our head at night and get the sleep we need and the nourishment to fuel our bodies, not much else happens after that. We learned that a long time ago. So it is critical that we kind of go back to our roots, and it's no mistake that we're called the Root Cause Coalition. Let's go back and see what does it take to make sure every individual has what they need, the tools that they need, the resources. And we're not talking about handouts. We're talking about a hand up and access to what they don't have, an education and understanding of what needs to be done. So I think, you know, as opposed to a crystal ball 12 months from now, let's all agree to carry the ball for the next 11 months that we've got a message we need to take forward and help educate and inform everyone with whom we work in all of these cross sectors, which includes elected officials, business, education, not-for-profit, faith-based, healthcare, and and then a year from now, we can say we've really moved the needle. We've got the collective willpower to continue to achieve what we know we can. In 2020, I mean, that, that sounds like the science fiction we all read about. <laughs> right. It does. Up. It In does. In 2020, we can do this. We just need to have that collective will. And I believe within the next year, we can really harness that energy yeah. and move forward. Well, I know what's in the crystal ball because the Root Cause Coalition is going to meet for our our conference in Kansas City next year. And uh, Barb, very quickly, give us the uh, web address for the Root Cause Coalition. Absolutely. It's rootcausecoalition.org. Jerry and I will be back in just a moment. Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. And as promised, our special announcement about how we plan to address the social determinants of health here in Michigan, particularly food insecurity. And here's the announcement. Dr. Dawn Opal is back with us on the phone. Dawn, welcome back to Food First, Michigan. I'm thrilled to be here. And not just back with us on the phone, if I can just say. Go ahead. You're the chairman of the board. Go right ahead. (laughs) So one of the most exciting things that has happened in our whole approach to the social determinants of health is attracting the right talent at the right time for the right reasons. And we are so proud to say that Dawn is now officially part of our team at the Food Bank Council of Michigan, heading up our statewide efforts to really address the connection between food insecurity and health in all the ways that has to be done. And so, Don, we are so excited. Um, You know, I can hardly stay in my seat. That's the honest truth. Well, Jerry, I feel exactly the same way. And uh, I just cannot wait to get, well, we've already been working together for years, but it's very exciting to be able to uh, devote 100% of my efforts on working with the both of you to advance this cause. So I'm thrilled uh, to be here and to continue to be here in a much greater capacity. 
So, Dawn, you're currently um, a professor and um, I've been involved in lots of different research projects at, the Mich- at Michigan State University. Uh, but you're going to come on to the Food Bank Council in just a few days as our director of strategic initiatives. And uh, particularly that emphasis is going to be in, and as Jerry said, connecting food insecurity and health care. So uh, we've just had Barb Petey on the show, who is the executive director for the Root Cause Coalition. And uh, I think there's a pretty, you know, we just had a conference out in San Diego with Root Cause, and uh, we had a pretty significant development out there. Well, that's right. So one of the most wonderful things about the national summit uh, that the Root Cause Coalition puts on is that it, it attracts folks who are interested in addressing the social determinants of health across multiple sectors. So professionals are there from the healthcare industry, from government, public policy, uh, higher ed researchers like I uh, was and am, and, uh, and other nonprofit um, leaders to really think about ways that we can work together. And what I was really excited about um, that has come of this is that uh, Phil and I got to spend several days with, uh, with each other and also with other stakeholders in uh, the efforts to advance uh, the social determinants of health as a priority for healthcare. And uh, we decided, you know what, we should, we should really be doing this all the time together. So it led to the idea that the work that I could do could scale by joining the Food Bank Council. And one of the things we have been saying since we started the show several years ago is one of the keys to our success is going to is going to be to continue to bring smart dedicated people to this mission and put them to work. And so that's a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's alongside with us, but in this case, it is actually on our team. And, uh, and you know, it does take a lot of legwork to get stuff like this done. And so I know, you know, the, the list that we're all creating in the background that, you know, when you actually sit at your desk, you're going to get to look at, your, it's going to be pretty, pretty huge. But you know what? We, you know, idle hands are the devil's playground. And so we just want to make sure that your soul is well taken care of while you're working for us. <laughs> Well, it is a very big job, and uh, like we've all discussed um, offline, there's, it's very difficult to strategize this work at the same time that you are boots on the ground doing it, and, that, and that's in any capacity. So what is um, really uh, a, just a privilege about this position that I'll be taking on is that I can really, um, really focus on putting together all of the pieces and people and, um, and different projects across the state and look to how we can work together better to make more impact together. You know, one of the things that that you said when we first talked about the kinds of things you'd be doing for us is your emphasis on food is medicine. And I just want to take a minute to say what I like about this phrase is you can emphasize any word and they all make sense. So you can say food is medicine. You can say food is medicine. Or you can say food is medicine. And they all make sense. Right? Mm-hmm. Every emphasis you can put on that saying makes sense. And I think putting that together for the people 
uh, who are there are a lot of champions in healthcare. We're not starting out from scratch here. We've been building the group of people in the state of Michigan who agree with all the emphasis you can put on food as medicine, who want to see this happen. But they're big systems. They're systems that have a lot of complexity built in. They're already very cost conscious. And so we have to be mindful of all of those dynamics as we, you know, I guess, activate the idea that food is medicine or food is medicine or food is medicine, right? Absolutely. And so, you know, a couple of a couple of thoughts on that. First is that as we work on the social determinants of health and healthcare, uh, you know, we're frequently told by the healthcare sector that um, that you know that this is these are such overwhelming challenges, and how can you know how can the complexity of all all 15 social determinants and all of the ways in which um, you know the that we have been um, shaped by our the communities we live in and the you know our backgrounds and histories all affect our health and wellness. How do we even get started? And what I love about the Food is Medicine initiative is that it starts at a place where healthcare is uniquely positioned to 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 walk alongside us in the um, in the food bank world, which is the focus on treatment. So the the notion that medically tailored meals and that um, and that there are those with serious chronic illnesses that um, that additionally may not be able to shop or cook for themselves that there is a place for the food banks and the pantries to participate in a meaningful way that actually is a win-win for everyone involved, saves money to the healthcare system, um, helps people who cannot, you know, who who need the the food and 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 really offers the food bank council and its constituent network the ability to really make deep impact and consistently and quickly. So I'm I'm really thrilled about working on that particular initiative um, as a way to really um, see a tangible and pragmatic and meaningful way to get involved. We're talking with Dr. Dawn Opal. She's uh, going to be very soon in the next few days the Director of Research and Strategic Initiatives at the Food Bank Council and really going to take leadership and ownership of this uh, integration into healthcare. And uh, and I like how you just said that, Dawn, because it's it wasn't us integrating healthcare; it was healthcare integrating into us and what we do. And I I like that 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 perspective and that view a lot. There's something I wanted to specifically ask you about here uh, as we come to the close of this this segment. But um, there there was I all the conversations we've had, and I I want to make sure that uh, I emphasize something here, and that is your your title is director of research and strategic initiatives, because r- the food bank council is dedicated and embraces as a value data, and that comes from research. And so while you've been involved in research in higher ed uh, for several years now. You and you know you have written extensively. Um, I just I just want you to talk a little bit about the value of research as we move forward, and I'm going to get you to do that on the other side of the break. We're going to take a quick one here. Uh, Mark, just let me know that we ran out of time on this segment, but I want to bring you back for another one. That's Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight. We're talking with Dr. Dawn Opal. Come back and be with us in just a moment. We're back here, Jerry Passan, Dr. Phil Knight here in the WJR studio with our guest and colleague, 
Dr. Dawn Opal. Dawn, I ask you about research on the other side of that break, and um, you've been involved in it in higher ed, and you, as I said, you've written extensively, but you're bringing that to us, and, and you already know we value data that comes from research already. So how is that going to fit into this new position? Sure. Well, a couple, a couple of things. First, I, what I'm really excited about with this new position is that, you know, I've been a researcher on several studies across the state of Michigan that are generally s- small in scale where we're working with maybe a, cl- a clinic or five clinics or 100 patients or um, five food pantries, et cetera. Um, and those are really important because they tell stories that we capture a lot of data about the ways that on the ground um, uh, care coordination across healthcare and um, health and human services, how that's working, um, and the nonprofit sector. But these are small pilots, and um, and there have been thousands of these that have taken place in Michigan and in other states across the country and everywhere. Um, and but what we don't have is the kind of networked strategy of these research studies in Michigan. So so the, the hard part is that it's often hard to be able to make um, the case for a particular policy change or a particular like wide scale um, program because often these pilot studies are run by different universities on different grants and we're very disconnected. And so what I'm thrilled about about this position that it's a strategic position but also a research position is that I have the ability to reach out to these researchers and funders and um, and all of these partners that the Food Bank Council has worked with over the years to say, let's join forces and really think about a strategy and a coalition to make greater impact in this area. The second thing that I would say is that data sharing um, and collaboration that doesn't involve the sharing of data across sectors is very, very um, trying in terms of lasting sustainable change. Because until we know the impact that we make in healthcare, in government, um, as not as the nonprofit sector, it's very difficult for us to continue long term um, with programs and policies that stick. Because often only the healthcare sector collects the data, or um, or in our instance, we're collecting food data, but we may not be collecting healthcare outcomes data because we don't have access to that data. So it really takes a collaborative approach to being able to get that full picture of what's really going on and the impact that we're really making across sectors. And so that's something that I'll also spend a lot of time working on. So Jerry's grinning like a mule eating briars when you said understanding our impact. Yeah, because it is one of the most important things that we have to do. And and one of our commitments to data, of course, is you can't know your impact unless you know the people you're working with. I mean, you, you have to know what's happening in their life. And you have to be working alongside of them and really getting that that uh picture, not just in numbers, but in actuality. You know, when you talk about the trade-offs people make when they're food insecure, you know, between paying the rent and buying food or between buying medicine and buying food or or um, the other, you know, really stressful and difficult trade-offs people have to make when they're in that situation, it puts so much more reality into the conversation than 
the numbers do. So, so, you know, it's connecting all of those things. And I like the fact that you said one of the reasons that these pilots are so important is because you capture the stories, um, which really help explain the, the fundamentals. Who needs help? How much help do they need and for how long? And then if we're going to add a thing to that, and when you give them the help, what changes? What changes mm-hmm. for them, right? And so knowing our impact is the only way we can know what to take to scale. And, it, and not just in healthcare. It's in every single thing that we do. It is, it is fundamental to our belief about if you're going to solve a problem, you, you have to know the problem is actually being solved. You're absolutely right. And I think one of the hardest parts for the nonprofit sector, having worked with several community-based organizations uh, in my time at Michigan State is that often, you know, the way that the fundraising models work and the way that, um, you know, the, the business has been done has been to say, our particular thing is the most important thing and we need to raise money for that and we need to focus solely on that. But what it ignores is the network and also the impact that one has on another. So agencies really do have to work together to get to that knowledge of what the what the the impact and what the synergies are across the work that they're doing. And that's the 21st century work um, of, um, I think, of uh, human services-based um, nonprofit sector, is that we've got to figure it out together. And it's not um, and that's not easy, um, especially when there are lots of needs that people have to say, well, where are we going to focus? And so my answer to that, and I think that um, I think that Barpedi at the Root Cause Coalition would like this answer, is that that it's not that we're going to privilege one particular issue; it's that we're going to learn holistically about how they all work together. Well, and of course, we've we've already made the case that of the things that you can figure out, food is the least expensive. And and often the single biggest impactful um, thing to fix. I think the other thing that's that's probably important to to just touch on for a minute is the healthcare system isn't set up to pay for health outcomes. It really just okay. isn't set up that way. It's set up to pay for services. So when you get treated for something, you pay for that service, and everybody knows you know, through various different means that, yeah, theoretically, there should be a health outcome, but you get paid for that service, whether or not the healthcare outcome happens or not. So if you get a surgery for a heart problem, and your heart problem is fixed, well, the healthcare system gets paid for that fix. If you get surgery for a heart problem, and your heart problem isn't fixed, the healthcare system gets paid for that (laughs) service. Right. It's not set up to say you have to have the outcome before you get paid. So because of right. that. The, yeah, go ahead. That, that's enough to no, lead th- into. That's, that, is a, that is an excellent uh, definition of fee-for-service health care, which is the kind we've had um, until really the Affordable Care Act. And in the Affordable Care Act, there have been a few changes to that. And you can see how those changes have pushed health care in different directions. For instance, the penalties for 30-day readmission to the hospital. So that that's an instance where you get dinged if people don't get better enough to stay out of the hospital for longer than 30 days. Um, so there are a few instances like that where now the business model has to change a little bit to take outcomes into account. 
But those are small and those are incremental and it and also are, you know, are controversial. So our job, although we all know that that's the direction that healthcare is moving. So we're in this interesting, I think, liminal space right now where we're waiting to see how fast that transition from fee-for-service care that you described to value-based care um, to see what that's going to, what that landscape will look like and when, even more importantly, when that landscape um, is going to change, but it has been changing incrementally in Michigan for a while. So, um, so it's it's our job to sort of help guide and and participate along the way as that continues to move. And we are so excited to be working with you to change that one word from incrementally to exponentially. Right, that's <laughs> the only word we need to change: incrementally to exponentially. Well, I'm ex- I'm completely ready for it. So, I, so let's get to work. Yeah. So I can't wait until uh, a little later in this month, and uh, we're excited, Dawn, very much to have you as part of the team. And uh, I think you're going to help us. Uh, well, I just say to healthcare in Michigan, y'all better look out. <laughs> <laughs> no. So she's Dr. Dawn Opal. She is. Um, a researcher and professor at the uh, Michigan State University, but soon she is to become the Director of Research and Strategic Initiatives for the Food Bank Council of Michigan with a specific emphasis in healthcare integration. So Dawn, welcome to the team. And, uh, you know, just because you're working for the Food Bank Council doesn't mean you can't be an a, a expert guest on, the, uh, on Food First Michigan at any time. Well, thank you. I look forward to it. Well, I think it's time for a little food for thought. Big tasks takes big ideas and even bigger leaders to make right things happen. I think Barb Petey is guiding the conversations in the right way nationally, and I think our hiring of Don Opal locally will take us to the cusp of opportunity to address food insecurity as a root cause rather than just a mere symptom of poverty. Now, I know that is a different way to think But I believe that if you put food first in a struggling household, the impact is positive and beneficial for all concerned. That's why we say every week on this show, it really is food first, folks. Food first. Thanks for listening. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.